And last week, as you saw, we started a, a series on, on listening to God because it is so important for every, every part of our life. And what's really amazing to me is we have a God who wants to speak to us. We have a God who created us to speak to us. In fact, uh, you know, if the difference between you uh, who are believers and a non-believer, the biggest thing is that you have a personal relationship with your God, with your Creator, uh, with your Lord and Savior. And as a relationship, what's important there is communication. And what's important about communication is both speaking and listening. We have a God who speaks to us. We have a God who listens to us. Uh, and, and Jesus said this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, I, I know them and they follow me. In other words, normal Christianity should be us hearing the voice of our Savior. Uh, that should be normal way that you and I do business every day. We should be hearing from God. And he also said this, that he sends the Holy Spirit to be our guide. When the guide comes, he will lead us into all truth. So normal Christianity for you and I should be every day of our life that we should be led and, and guided by the Holy Spirit of God. So what's the problem? We're going to take a look. This is kind of being a, a real honest day of what's the problem with, uh, with, with the way we're listening because the problem isn't from God's side. Maybe it's like the guy who said, went to the doctor and said, you know, my, doc, my wife, I think she's going deaf. And he said, well, there's one way to really find out how bad her hearing is. Just when you walk in the, uh, the, the house the next day, ask her a question. If she doesn't hear you, get closer, ask her, another, ask her the question, and keep getting closer until she, you hear her respond to you. He goes, great idea. So he comes in the next day and he says, hi, honey, what's for supper? And he doesn't hear any response. So he goes a little bit closer and says, hi, honey, what's for supper? Doesn't hear a response, doesn't hear a response, keeps doing this until he's a foot away from her. He said, honey, what is for supper? And she goes, for the 11th time, meatloaf, meatloaf, meatloaf. And maybe the problem isn't, you know, with, we think the problem is that God doesn't care. God doesn't sp speak to us. We have a God who's mute. And that's not the problem. The problem is maybe that we aren't listening and so here, what are some of the reasons that we don't hear from God? Why do we struggle with that? And one of the big ones is, is just uh, we live in a noisy world and distractions, right? I mean, it's like if you were on the phone and you're sitting there and you're going, wait, 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 I can't hear you. What? What? Wait, wait, shh, shh. You know, it's so noisy in here, I can't hear you. The problem isn't that the person isn't communicating with you. The problem isn't that they're not great at communication. The problem is our environment has made it where we can't hear what they have to say. And I want you to think about it. From the moment we wake up in the morning with an alarm that makes sounds, and then we go to another, then we go to, to work and there's noise there, and even on the way we turn on the radio and we, we, there's media and social media and everything all throughout the day. And the only way God could ever speak to us is if he you know, took something out on Instagram or Facebook or something like that because we're so bombarded with noise, 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 noise. So what do we do? That's the world we live in and that's the world we have created for ourselves in a lot of ways. What do we do? The first thing is we need to find a garden. And I don't mean a literal garden, but it may be for that for you. But if you ever wondered why Judas knew exactly where to find Jesus in order to betray him, that out in Luke chapter 22 because it says that Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And why did he go there? We know that, don't we? He went to the Mount of Olives on a regular basis when he was in Jerusalem. That was a normal thing for him, a regular thing that Judas knew exactly where he was, exactly the time when he was going to be there. It was so regularly for him, but, but why did he do it? We know to listen to the Father, to talk to the Father, to listen to the Father, to talk to the Father. Here's the question. Why did he not just stay in Jerusalem? 
Because, uh, because going to the Mount of Olives, it takes a little bit of work, doesn't it? For those that have been there, you have to go down a really steep mountain. I mean, Jerusalem's on a tall hill, and then you have to go across the Kidron Valley, and then there's the, the Mount of Olives is on the other side. In other words, it takes time and it takes effort. It took that for him to go from Jerusalem into the, to the Mount of Olives. So why did he do it? You and I know the reason, don't we? Because he had to get away from the crowd. He had to get away to be alone with the Father. Now, he may not have had all the media distractions we have, but he had people pressing in on him all the time. It was always piranha time with Jesus with somebody wanting a piece of him, right? Always. So he said that he thought, and give, give us the illustration, the best way to avoid distractions is not to fight them, it's to get out of Dodge, right? It's to get away from those distractions. And here's the thing, where is that for you? Where's the garden for you? Where's that time where you can get away and it is just you and the Father? It's just you alone with God for at least a time, at least a, a little portion of a, of a day. For me, anybody that's, that's been married to me or, or anybody that's lived with me as, as a, as a uh, roommate in college or anything like that, my children or anything, they know something. They know at night I'm going to go out and pray because that is my time. I have to get away from the distractions at home. I have to get away from the phone. I have to get away from all those things. And I love nature. That's a win-win situation. That's where I go to, to listen to God and to hear from God. Where is it for you? There's people who, you do that, you have a porch that you go to. You have a, a table that you go to. You have a chair that you go to. You have literally have, there, I know many people in our church have a, a, a prayer closet, just like War Room, the movie War Room. You have a place where you go and that's your time away from the family, away from the kids, away from everything, where you just have some time with you and God. Maybe it's your, your, uh, your car on the way to work that you have a commute of 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and you have truly made that your sanctuary. You've made that the place where you go and spend time with, uh, with God. Turn off everything or turn on some worship music. It's you and, the, you and the Father. It doesn't matter where it is. What works best for you? What does matter is that it is, that there's a time if the Son of God needed time alone with the Father to hear from Him, it was vital for Him to hear from Him and to speak to Him, how much more for, for you and, and I? Another thing is, is, is that we, we try to really listen to God throughout the day, that we take moments throughout the day. Maybe it's in the shower. Maybe it's when you're doing the makeup. Maybe again, maybe just on the way to work. Maybe just sit there in the car for 30 seconds before you go into school or you go into work. Or maybe you, while you're mowing the lawn or something, you're just, you take time intentionally to go, God, speak to me. Maybe it's throughout the day that you get a text and you go, God, how should I answer this? Or maybe something goes, comes up at work or something comes up at school and you're going, God, okay, I need, I need right now, I need some wisdom. I need some guidance in how to, how to handle this. You know, my dad told me something that uh, my dad wasn't even a Christian for, for most of his life. I got to, got to see him come to faith in Christ when he was in his 70s. But one thing he taught me when I was in college, he said, he said son, do this. Right before you take the test, every test, take a moment and say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Now, one thing I've also found out is it helps to study before you say that thing. But there is something about just taking time before you do something and just taking that moment to hear from God. How about this one? That you intentionally just try... You, we cannot avoid clutter in, or clatter in this world. We can't avoid that noise. We can't avoid that. I mean, you go to work, it's there. You go to school, it's there. No matter what. You can't... You don't have the, the, the privilege of opportunity of just going, everybody shut up. I need to just spend some time with God right now. I mean, a lot of times even worry. I mean, home is just going to be noise, 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 noise. So what do we do? We intentionally try to listen to the voice of God in the midst of all the other voices. 
Now, I used to do, when I was a youth pastor, I would do something uh, with, the, with the youth. It was an illustration and also a game, and it was called Blind Cans. And what we would do is we'd have three chairs, and you'd have three people that were blindfolded in those chairs, and you had a friend of theirs behind them that was going to shout out information to them. What they had to do is they had to find cans in the middle of the room and, uh, and be able to t- get them and put them back on the, on the chair. We also, the problem is we put obstacles everywhere. We put chairs up there. We put tables up there where they were having to, to avoid those. And then all of a sudden it started and everybody's shouting and they're having to hear that one voice the one voice that's going to direct them. Take two steps to your right. And it was beautiful to watch them in all this noise to just go and then go three steps and then bend down now and grab and, and do this just by hearing so attentively trying to hear one voice. And here's something too is then what I would have them do is then I'd have everybody not say anything, only one person being able to say that to them. And they could do it so fast. They could go and that's, that's what it's like. That's why it's important to have that garden to just go where you get away from all the other voices and you're just intentionally concentrating on that one. But even when there are all the voices going on, just to be able to hear that voice because here's the thing, you know and I know, we know this. We know we're going to hear what we're listening for. We're going to see in life what we're, gonna, what we're looking for. Whatever it is, if we're listening for that voice of God, even in the midst of the clatter of the, of the day, we're going to be able to hear His, his voice. So here's the, here's the question is this. Is, well, first of all, we can't hear from God because of noise and, and distractions. But also, the reason is there's people that don't want to hear from God. There's people that don't listen to God because they don't want to hear what He has to say. And that's, first of all, is the threat factor. You know, there's a, a guy by the name of Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort has this incredible video out that you need to see that's called The Atheist Delusion. But he speaks to hundreds and thousands of, of, of people around the world, the atheists intentionally, you know, saying, and he has this amazing way of just getting through the junk and saying, proving that there has to be a God in just a matter of moments. And then, but what he's noticed is this, that a lot of the people, most of the people, it's not an intellectual argument. It's really a moral argument. It's not that they don't believe in God because it's intellectually not, not right. It's because they don't want to say there's a God because if they say there's a God, then the only logical thing is to bow their knee to that God and they don't want to have to do that because of the life that they're living. Here's just some of the examples that he gives. This is very clear evidence. It's like there's nothing to think about. It's either nothing made everything or something made everything. Some things made everything, not something in particular, not one like uh, not one specific thing. What you're trying to do, you're trying to get away from moral responsibility to God. That's really your argument. And that's what the Bible says. There has to be an intelligent mind beyond human reasoning to put DNA together. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So why can't we make the leap from there across to saying, yeah, atheism can't be true? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I'm not really too sure. Examine your motives. There must be a hidden motive. Let me see if I can guess what it is, okay? See if I can put my finger on it. If you acknowledge that God does exist, you're admitting you're ultimately responsible to Him. I'm going right to why you've got such a big problem with this. This is so simple. Someone made the book. Someone created DNA. You don't want to say someone who's intelligent because you're into porn, you're into sex with your girlfriend, it gives you so much pleasure and you don't want to give it up. And if God exists, then that's going to put a big wet blanket on everything. And that's not an exciting thought for someone who loves pornography and fornication and all the things that come with it, because there's incredible pleasure in fornication and pornography. 
And so what you do is you deny the existence of God because it gives you license to do those things without a feeling of guilt. If God does exist, well, you're in big trouble. So what you do is deny his existence. Am I touching your raw nerve? Am I close? In a way, yeah. Makes sense? Makes sense. It makes sense. I'm still an atheist. Makes sense. I'm still an atheist. The book made itself. It couldn't make itself. Can you see what you're doing? Yeah. So you're I'm not... lying to myself. Yeah. You know, if the voice of God comes as a threat to you, then maybe the wrong person's on the throne. If the voice of God comes to you as a delight, then maybe the right person is on the throne. Because there is a, a battle that goes on. The book of Romans talks about a civil war, that, that there's this battle, a civil war going on between our flesh and our, our spirit. This flesh does not want to serve God. This flesh does not want to hear from God. But our soul and our spirit does. And the question is, which one are we listening to? And, and don't think that it's just a- atheists that have a problem not wanting to hear from God. I know many, many Christians that, uh, that because of either the belief system that they have about maybe even a, a social issue or something like this, or because of the, the lifestyle that they're living, they don't want to hear what the Bible has to say. There's been many times we've said, hey, do you want to see? Do, should we open up the Bible and see what God says about this? No, 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 no. I just want to believe what I believe, you know, whatever it is. Why is it? If it comes, hear this again. If the Word of God comes as a threat to you, then maybe the wrong person's on the throne. If, the, if the, the word of God comes as a delight of going, I want to hear what God has to say, even if it confronts, because I don't know about you, but the voice of God a lot of times is confront the way I think or the way something, that, but still saying, God, I still want to hear it because you're on the throne. It says a lot about where we are and where we uh, stand with, uh, with God. Another thing is not only the, 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 uh, that factor, the threat factor, but it's also the fear factor. And maybe it's the, like the story of the guy who was walking along by himself. He was taking a hike up in the mountains right next to a really long, a really uh, tall cliff. And he trips and falls and he goes over that cliff. But luckily on the way down, he just grabs a hold of the one branch that's down there. And so he's hanging about halfway, about a 300-foot drop. And so he can't climb up. He can't go down. And he's desperate there. So he yells up and he goes, help me, help me, help me. Is there anybody up there? And he vo- hears a voice that says, I'm up here. And he says, who are you? And he says, this is God. God, great. What do you want me to do? Let go of the branch. He said, wait, wait a second. What do you mean? It sound like you said, let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. I will take care of you. Trust me. Just let go of the branch. I'll make sure you're okay. And he goes, is there anybody else up there? Sometimes we're afraid of what God may say. You know, there's people who don't want to hear from God because maybe they'll think that God will ruin their life if they really listen to him. That they'll make him go to move to Africa and be a missionary or something like that or that they'll, you know, that he has some plan that's just not a good plan. And, and this is, I, I didn't become a Christian for several years because that was my, that was what I believed. I believe that God's plan for my life would, couldn't be fun, it couldn't be joyful, it couldn't be an adventure, it couldn't be wonderful, it couldn't be full of purpose. Don't ask me why I thought that, because I actually know why, because of this, because it's the same lie from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they were convinced that from, from Satan that God did not have the best interest for them, that if they went with God's plan, it wasn't going to be as good as if they went with his, his plan. And they believed it hook, fell for it hook, line, and sinker, and so did I. But here's the thing that's amazing. We should not be... Okay, here's, here it is. It's like, remember the old movies, the Godzilla movies? Remember where they're, you know, Godzilla's chasing the people and the people of Tokyo are always running around like this and they're afraid of Godzilla, all right? All right, I want you to go ahead and moan. Get it out of your system. Go moan. Mo- oh, go ahead and moan. Moan. Let's hear it. Okay, better than that. Come on, you can do better than that. There you go. Maybe the reason is that maybe we're not afraid of Godzilla, but we're afraid of Godzilla. 
<laughs> Sorry. See, you, got, you can't moan. You already moan. You can't do that. But we're almost running away from God's will for our life when God has this incredible plan and this God has this incredible purpose for our life. We should not be afraid of hearing God's will. We should be afraid of missing God's will for our life. Something else is, because I don't know about you, but this, I, as I look back on my life, I cannot think of one time, one time, one time that I ever heard the voice of God and obeyed the voice of God that I've ever been sorry for. Not one time. But, but, but how about this? How many times have you ever disregarded the Word of God in your life and paid the penalty for it and gone something, some pain in your life or somebody else's life as a result of you not listening to the Word of God? I've never been one day sorry for, for, for hearing the voice of God and heeding the voice of, uh, of God. Another thing can be impurity in our lives. Any, any parent of a rebellious teenager knows that that rebellion affects that relationship. That rebellion affects the way they hear and the way they, they speak to that, that child. Uh, and the same thing, that it muddies the water. And if we are rebellious, living a rebellious life against God, it muddies the water for what God wants to say to us and what, we, what we'll say to God. We'll avoid hearing from God. We won't do that. It muddies the water. It clogs the pipes. But the one thing we can do is if we go in repentance with God and say, God, you know what? I've been involved in this. I want to hear from you. God, that's like the, the Drano or the rotor rooter that can unclog the pipes in an instant. Something else is we have selective hearing and, uh, and obedience. Uh, and again, any parent, any parent in here, you know your kids have selective hearing, don't they? I mean, think about it. You can say, clean your room. You can say, you know, go take a bath, and they're like, Dad, Mom, Dad, I didn't hear you. I have no idea. But you can say that same child, you can whisper from a cave in Tibet. You can whisper and say ice cream or Disney World, and they come running. They hear what they want to hear. And before we make fun of kids in that way, we do the same thing, don't we? How many times has God told you something that you want to hear? No problem, man. It's, it's all yes, yes, yes. But God says, I want you to forgive that person. Wait, hold, hold on, God, I can't, the reception's a little bad in this area, sorry about that. Or, you know, or ask for forgiveness, or tithe, or be involved in ministry, or, you know, or, or love that person, or, or, you know, go up and talk to them and invite them to, whatever it is that God's saying, and it's uncomfortable, and we, all of a sudden, we, we have selective hearing, don't we? And I want you to, to know something, there is something real different between an, a reluctant heart and a rebellious heart. A reluctant heart hears something from God and they either don't like it or they, you know, or it blows them away what God's saying, uh, and yet they do it. A great example of that is Moses or Gideon. Moses told, you know, I mean, God told Moses, say to Pharaoh, let my people go. You're going to deliver my people. And he comes up with every excuse in the book. Same thing with Gideon. He goes, I don't have what it takes to do what you're telling me to do. But you know what? The great thing is they did it. They had a reluctant heart, but they did it. They had an obedient heart, even though it was reluctant. A rebellious heart is saying, God, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say about this. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going my own way. And there's a big difference between that. Watch this person in our church. I love this story between a, a starting out a reluctant heart, but came out and, and, and because they weren't reluctant, they, uh, they really hit a rebellious heart, which was great. About 10 years ago, he's in a gas station. Matter of fact, it was 2007. We had a good prayer meeting the night before, and it was just, it was just really a good morning. I was standing there minding my own business, getting ready to pump some gas, and when I, I saw a guy drive up, and he, uh, he got out of his uh, vehicle, his little truck, work truck, and he started at the gas station. And uh, the Lord said, he 
is holding out something on me. I have spoke to him and spoken to him and called to him, and he's just ignoring me. And, I, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is like coming out of the blue. Is this you? Is this me? And uh, and uh, he says, No, I want you to tell him that he is, and that I want him to relent. And I said, and I, I really thought about it. I said, Well, Lord, is this? If this is you, I said, You said try the spirit. I said, I'm going to try it. Said, Lord, if this is you. When he comes back out here, I said, he's in a hurry. I said, have him just strike up a conversation with me. He's not going to want to stop and chat like, you know, a man on his way to work. They just don't do that most of the time. And, he's, and he came back out, and when he got about 10 feet from it, he started. He said, how are you doing this morning, man? You doing good? Oh, I said, okay, Lord. And so I said, I said, sir, can I speak with you just a second? He said, sure. And I said, well, you know, I said, if when I drove up here, and I said, now I want you to, to judge this. You, you call this whether this is the Lord or not. I said, but I believe I heard the Lord. I said, he told me you were holding out on him. And he has spoken to you and called to you, and you were ignoring him. And that's really all I've got to say is he, he's asking you to relent and give him his way in this. I said, now you judge whether or not this is God or not. Because I don't know. I said, this could be me, but I really believe it is the Lord. And he just got back in his truck real quickly, and as he was slamming the door, heard him say, oh, it's God. And he drove off. I said, okay, brother. I said, have a good day. He didn't hear me, but I said it. Oh, it's God. All right. That's, you know, oh, we need to understand how important it is to, uh, to, um, for us to hear what God already has to say, or sorry, to receive further guidance. We have to already do what he's already told us. An example of this in the Bible is with the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Uh, he talks to them, and he says, they ask him a question in Mark 11. says, by what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or was that from men? Tell me. They discussed among themselves and said, you know what? If we say from heaven, they'll ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared that for the people, for everyone knew that, G that John was really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, you know what? Then neither will I tell you what authority I'm doing these things. And it, here's the thing. Jesus is saying, look, you have not done anything with the revelation that I've already given you. I mean, you've seen everything. I've told you things. I've shown you things. You don't, why am I going to give you any inf more information? Let's deal with what you already have not listened to, and then, we'll, then I'll give you more information. And here's the thing a lot of times. If you're not hearing from God, maybe look back to see, was there a time where you stopped hearing from him? Because he's not into just downloading information just for the purpose of us going, you know, I'll think about it or maybe not. Uh, there, imagine this. Imagine you were teaching somebody how to, how to bake a cake. Okay? And you've got this. They, they said, you know what? I really want you to lead me. I want you to guide me and teach me how to bake a cake. And they, what do you do the first thing? Okay, you've got to get the ingredients. All right, well, let's get the ingredients. We've got the ingredients. What's the next thing we need to do? said, well, you need to put those ingredients together. Well, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. I want to go over here and I want to bake the cake. Yeah, that's right. You can. But first you have to do this step over here. You can't do this step until you obey this step. And maybe sometimes we want to bake the cake over here without obeying what else God has, what God has said to lead to this place over, uh, over here. And think about, again, if you're not hearing from God right now, maybe there was a time that God was speaking to you and you didn't hear what he had to say. Go back to that time, obey that time, and see how God can take you to the, to the next thing. 
Uh, and the poster child for, for picking and choosing what God wants to say is, is Saul. I mean, there was a time in the Old Testament, Saul. Saul was this guy that, uh, that it started out like a house of fire. He was doing amazing things for God. And then he started picking and choosing and saying, okay, I like what God's saying over here, so I'll do it. I don't want like what he's telling me to do over here, so I won't do it. And God pretty soon said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to find a man after my, my heart, which is David, who's going to obey me on both things, not just pick and choose whatever he wants to, to do. And here's the thing, that God stopped speaking to Saul. And there was a time when, God, when Saul desperately needed to hear from, uh, from, from God, and, and God was silent about it. He said, you're not going to listen to me? Why am I going to speak to you? And so, so you know what he ended up doing? He ended up going to a, a witch in Endor. He ended up going to a witch in order to try to hear, to get direction for his, for his life. That's how bad, that's how down he went. And I'm just going to say time out for a second, because I think as a pastor, I need to address this in, our, in our, our life situation, in our world that we live in. And there's a lot of people, even Christians, that you dabble with things like uh, tarot cards and Ouija boards and, and, and horoscope and things like this. And we may think it's fun and games, but it's not fun and games to God, and it's not fun and games in the spirit world. Because Isaiah chapter 8, he says this. Isaiah 8, God says there's people who are doing that. They were trying to hear from every other thing except for God himself, any other spirit. And God is saying this. He's saying, if you're listening to any other spirit except my spirit, it's an evil spirit. Anything else. And he said, should not God's people inquire of their God? And you think about this, just something like horoscopes or something. What it's really doing is saying, I'm going to trust the stars and listen, to lead me and guide me more than I am to, uh, to have the one who made the stars and created the stars. And there was this time in, in Ephesus, in the book of Ephesus, where the, the people were, were very involved in witchcraft, very involved in occult, very involved in, in all this. And so what they ended up doing is, but they came to faith in Christ, and they got rid of all that stuff. They burned all the stuff at a, at a, at a, at a burning. And, and here's the thing, what was the result of them saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. We're only going to listen to God from now on. What was the result in second? Acts 19.20, it said, In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. If you want the word of God to spread wildly and grow in power in your life, in your family, things, maybe there's some things that we need to get rid of so that we're only listening to the Holy Spirit rather than other, uh, other spirits. And I want to encourage you with something today. I want you to encourage, maybe there's, there's probably several, several people, many people that are listening to my voice right now online or here that you have a big decision to make. You're, you're looking at a big decision and, and it almost feels like you're at the bottom of this dark mountain and you have to go up that mountain and you're going, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to do that financially. I don't know how we're going to do that with, 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 with our marriage. I don't know how we're going to do that with whatever it is, the business. I have no idea how that's going to happen. I'm here and I need to get there and I'm scared to death or I'm, or I'm, I'm lost. I do not know how to get up there. And, and here's the thing. If you were at the base of a mountain at, at night and you had to go from, from there and there's the, a dark mountain up there and you're going, it is so dark. I don't even know how to get there. I don't know. It, it looks so, so tough to get up there. Well, if you had a flashlight, the thing, all you'd have to do is just go the next 30 feet and then the next 30 feet. And then when, this, when you went to this 30 feet, you'd have the next 30 feet and the next 30 feet. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, you make it up to the, the top of the mountain just going 30 feet at a time. Here's the question. What's the next 30 feet that God's telling you to do? What's the 30 feet that God is saying for you to do? And you're looking up there and going, how am I going to get there? And God's just saying, you know what? I'm going to make sure you get up there, but you've got to follow me 30 feet at a time. And here's the thing, too. You're not gonna, God is not going to expose the next 30 feet until we're obedient in this 30 feet. 
right? God, it, there's, a, there's the progression in that. Here's a big question. Why doesn't God just light up the whole mountain at one time? Why doesn't he just go poof and light up the, light up the whole thing? Because that'd sure be easier for us, isn't it? Because you know something and I know something. If God did that, we'd go, thank you, God. Thanks for showing the way. See you later, right? But the fact that when we have to trust in God for 30 feet at a time, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we have to listen to him 30 feet at a time, we are all ears when we do that. Here's the thing that God, you know, I'm making a generalization, but here's something that we can understand men and women better, is, is men are natural born, we're condensers, most of us, is, is that we take all this information and we go, okay, what's the bottom line? We want to know what is the bottom line? How do we do? We go for the answer. That's the most important thing to us is the answer. Now, ladies are more amplifiers, and they go, I want to get to the, the end there. I want the answer. But something that's just important, maybe even more important to me, is how I get to that, the relationships I have along the way, the communication, the everything along the way. It's very, very important to me. And see, both of those things are great, and both of those things God uses. God is really about, he loves the bottom line. He loves us to get to that point where he wants us to be. He wants us to be in the center of his will, but something that is very, very important to him is the relationship along the way. Something that is just as important to him as us getting there is how we get there, is the relationship. Remember, we were created for relationship, and getting there with that relationship along the way is vital, vital to God. Imagine that you were in a plane, you were flying a plane, and you were in the heavy fog and your instruments weren't working. And it, think about how absolutely, you know, buddy-buddy you would be with that control tower because that control tower was going to tell you how to get there safely. And, and so in the same way, you know, God loves it. When we have big decisions to make, we have decisions to make every day. He loves that we are, you know, we're all ears when, we, when, when, you know, when we're listening to him in that way. We, it's a time where if the, dar- if the mountain is dark, we may be way more attentive to listen to him than we would if everything was, was lit. So what God wants us to do, what's the next 30 feet that he's telling you to do? What's the next 30-foot step? And here's a question, too, that I have for you. Do you have a garden that you go to? Do you have a garden that you can go and get away from everybody and for a time that you can hear from God every day of your life, that you can hear from God and you can speak to, to God? Is there's those times, do you speak to God throughout the day? That there's just those moments that you just take those five second, those 10 second, those 20 second vacations with God and say, God, speak to me right now. I need wisdom in this direction. I, you know what? I'm having trouble with my child right now. Would you please tell me what to say to this person? I'm having trouble in this. Would you please help me in, in this? And those moments can change our life forever. And instead of us snapping at something, we can hear from God and, and, and do it the right way. What's the, if we could bow our head and close our eyes. Here's the thing. God does answer us. He wants to speak to us. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you need to, that you did not know. Where's God saying, is there a clog in the pipes? Is there something that you are doing where you're not wanting to hear from God and there's just, there's, there's something, there's either a rebellion or there's a sin in there that just needs to go and God's saying, is it worth it? Is, it? is that worth not hearing from me? Is that worth muddying the relationship? Is that worth, and maybe even today, right now as we're, see, as we're sitting here, to just go, God, forgive me. I want this out of my life. So I, gotta, I want anything that's out of my life that keeps me from hearing from you. What's some things that we can do just to, 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 to listen to his voice more intently every day as we make decisions?
And God, we pray that you guide and direct us. Lord Jesus, we want to hear from you. We do not want to live our life in our own, in our own intuition, in our own, in our own ingenuity. We want to hear from the living God who created us, who knows what's best for us. So God, help us to hear your voice more. If there's anything that we're doing that's hindering that, God, we repent of that. I want to go to the other side. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.